You're listening to 14 Minutes of Sass, a That Was Now production. Um, I do tend to get up pretty early. Isn't it crazy? If we fail with this one, I think I need to get a job. I'm an artist. I'm a painter. I started this company in my garage. It's actually pretty amazing. The world needs to know that this exists. And that was the moment when actually this light bulb went on. Sometimes when you have a problem, it's an occasion to shine. Everything in life gets better when you yeah. take better care of yourself. It's horribly geekish, but you know, it is what it is. final podcast in this series from the Web Summit, our guest is Adi Azaria. I'm an artist, I'm a painter. I'm doing crazy stuff with AI, with deep learning, with chatbots, everything that you can imagine in order to simplify data consumptions around the world. I'm helping, volunteering with the startup community all over the place. I think that money is a, is a byproduct of your passion. Stephen caught up with a man of hugely varied interests, Adi Azaria, co-founder and chief evangelist at SciSense. SciSense has raised $97 million for its business analytics solution that prepares, analyzes, and visualizes complex data sets using one single-stack solution. Adi talks to Stephen about his life, his motivations, his family, and his incredible passion for technology. Problem solver extraordinaire Adi Azaria chatted with me at Lisbon's Web Summit. He wants to fix everything from helping startup scale to reducing sex trafficking and even to cure all maladies from cancer to his own son's sleeplessness. His main mission, though, is simplifying the pain of data consumption with his company, SciSense. Hi, Adi. It's uh, wonderful to have you with us. Hi, Stefan. How are you today? Thanks, Emilia, for being here. Can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about who you are and, and uh, your history? Sure. Um, I'm reaching my 40s right now, so I have a, a short history, I guess. Uh, but you know what they say about uh, being an entrepreneur, specifically, you know, establishing a startup. It's like uh, it's measured in dog years. So I think I'm about 150 right now. I'm, uh, I'm an entrepreneur in, in my soul. Since I was a kid, I was I love to break. You know, the first thing that I did, you know, remembering myself is take the old, you know, radio with uh, the, the tapes, the big ones and break it into pieces. I mean, I wanted to know how it works. I couldn't build it, but since then I, I, I was eager to uh, build stuff and create new stuff and, I don't know, create a new world in some, in some sense for myself. Very cool. Um, we, um, I started as, uh, you know, as a kid that was very curious, but I didn't like to learn. So until today, being in university, sitting in a class is very challenging for me. Uh, I have different methodologies to teach myself. I am a self-learner rather than you know, going to university. I'm, I'm not against universities, but definitely not, not for me. I'm an artist. I'm a painter. I'm painting with um, oil on canvas. I'm, I'm doing surrealism and real-life uh, you know, human beings. I founded SciSense with five, four of my friends, five all together. So for a year we just played a little bit with data. Uh, and started to uh, see great results. Throughout the years, I, I made myself more acquaintance with business. Uh, I love people more than computers. Uh, I love the relationship between them, but I love people more. And I found myself running the business with another co-founder of mine, um, starting you know, to advertise, to meet people, to start selling the, my product, and to start changing the life 
uh, of, of other of other people using our product. Um, we are I'm doing it for the last I don't know seven eight years. Last few years I changed myself a little bit to be more of a chief evangelist storyteller, <laughs> taking everything I know from my life, you know, creative technology, business sales, and, and create a you know a compound solution in some way to to market a product as a storyteller other than just you know the regular marketing. I'm running uh, the innovation lab in Sciences right now. I'm head of innovation. Uh, I'm doing crazy stuff with AI, with deep learning, with chatbots, everything that you can imagine in order to simplify data consumptions uh, around the world. I'm very interested in the fact that you're an artist as well. Is that a, your way of uh, decompressing a little bit in such a high-powered a high, a high business? Uh, or do you even need to decompress? I think it's a must. Um, I didn't decompress for a few years and it brought me to a very bad place. Uh. Uh, so I needed to take a stop, a pause for my life for, for one year due to that reason. Yeah. And uh, it made me understand that uh, the only way to be really successful is to have these pauses. Okay. So a pause can be our office was next to the sea in uh, you know, Tel Aviv, really nice place. Cool. So 10 minutes before the office, just shut up and listen to the sea. <laughs> don't, don't, let your, uh, don't let the thoughts, you know, don't fight your thoughts. Let, just let them be, and uh, I always say, you know, if you run, if you if you're doing some sports, if you're doing meditation, if you paint, it's it's all the same. Yeah. It's part of concentrating something else. But the best ideas are coming at that time, not at the time you're very busy. Just when you when you're open to it. Yes. Yeah. What is it that makes Tel Aviv such an amazing center of technology and innovation and creativity and, and, and business? It's, it's mostly Israel, not just Tel Aviv, but Tel Aviv sure. is the most concentrated place of these startups, I guess. Um, it's, it's being in a place where no resources, um, being, you know, needed to go to, the, to serve uh, your country for, for three years, which gives you a huge pause for life. Yeah. Uh, but in the same time, I think it's a great contribution for everybody who wants to be advanced in, in something. So if, you, if you're really passionate about something, go, and that's what I did. I went to an elite unit and served in the intelligence side over there, uh -huh. created, you know, uh, it was a startup within the unit because I had crazy ideas and they said, okay, you can do it without any money, let's do it. <laughs> I digitized the entire, you know, elite unit. That was my f very first startup, I guess. The, it, it allows you to do a lot with very little. And when you get out, you're starting to have all these ideas, you're acquiring them from, from you know, being serving, serving the country, and you implement them on civil, civil life, and it's, it's amazing. SciSense, um, it's in a very competitive space, business analytics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so two things, what, what sets it apart to make it so successful? And what's your vision for it in the next five to 10 years? We are looking at, at our company as, as, uh, as a family first. Uh, we are coming from a kibbutz environment in some way. Kibbutz is a place that everything is being shared. Sure. So up until I think three years ago, we've been, I don't know, 30 people. We were, you know, you could see people from all across the company coming to the kitchen. One guy is cutting, you know, chopping salad. One guy is making, you know, another dish, a soup and so on. And, and suddenly you have a big uh, lunch for everybody and you have 30 people in the room that are, are cooking. It's part of the culture that we build in the, into the company. And you, you can see today, it's more in you know, smaller, smaller groups because we are 400 people. Yeah. But 
in general, if you build a culture that way, that people contribute without you know, getting anything in return, uh, they, they are making more money in some sense, and more importantly, they're getting more skills and they're happy. Okay. And that's what makes us very unique from a company perspective. So it's not doesn't really matter what we sell, mm. but as long as we keep this culture, it will make us successful with everything that you're going to do. It seems like employee success is a huge, is something that you believe will radiate outwards from the company and create success yes, over time. It starts from a pain, and we know the pain right now. We we never knew it before because nobody left. But when you're a big company, you have a turnover. That's that's life. Yeah. And. Preserving this culture first allows you to hire very good talents for not the amounts that are usually being paid outside. And it allows you to take less turnover. I mean, the turnover is about 10% when, when the groups are getting big, and that's, that's okay. We're trying to, be, to make it less than that. Every hire costs a lot of money and a lot of time. Uh, for us, it's very painful, so therefore we're going to keep on investing in this culture. It's a massive challenge in Dublin, of course. We've, we've, you know, it's so hard for startups to hire because we're, we, we've got this huge uh, body of amazing multinational companies. But I know that's growing, uh, particularly in the last few years in Israel. It's becoming a challenge with Facebook and lots of other companies. It's that the are same. It's the same atmosphere. I mean, all the yeah. big companies saw this talent. Amazing. We can, you know, sure. create amazing products. You can. It yeah. makes sense, and I love it that they come and, and you know flourish the country. Um, but. As a smaller company, we need to create a differentiation. How do you create a differentiation? You innovate, you tell the stories, you make people feel, uh, you know, belong to an elite unit other than, you know, the big army in some sense. And once you do that, you're becoming uh, more attractive to these, you know, young guys who are looking for jobs. You mentioned the fact that you're open to insights when you're doing things that are outside of your work and ideas come to you. Um, your son had a problem with sleeping uh, for a while. Uh, and apparently that gave you some insights into IoT or the Internet of Things. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, for the past, you know, five, six years almost, yeah, it, it, it started as, you know, just normal baby. It was like, he's, he's awake, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, we all suffer from it. Yeah. But um, it, it turns out to be a real problem for him, mainly. Um, wakes up every couple of hours, don't want to get back to sleep. And we, we, at some point, and we tried everything, really, like, we spent a lot of money to fix this problem because I want to sleep, my sleep is very important. Sure, sure. Uh, nothing helped, like, doctors, there is no health problem, it's just, you know, how it is. Uh, genes, I will say. Uh, I, I decided to take it. Genius? No, genes, it's not oh, genius. He is a genius, but <laughs> okay, it's, good, it's good, a different good. story. Um, he just want to eat life, he wants to play, he wants yeah. to, so he realized at some point that he, wakes up at the middle of the night, he, don't, he doesn't understand, you know, he was two and a half, three years old uh, back in the days. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he sees the outside and says, well, it's morning, I don't know if it's, I don't know how to read the clock or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to play, daddy, let's go play. <laughs> um, and, and we tried some, you know, to do some stuff and, and eventually I decided to, to take an extreme approach. Uh, I brought a smart light home. And I, <coughs> I asked him to pick a color, I tell him which, which color you like. When this color is turning on, it's going to be outside of your room, you're going to see the light. Um, when, it's, when it's green or red, I don't, I don't remember, I think it's, he, he chose red. It's morning, but until then, just, you know, go back to sleep. And the psychological effect, or I think it made him much more calm about it's morning or it's night. And he didn't see, you know, just open your eyes, you saw that there, there, there is no light, you go back to sleep. 
suddenly, you know, uh, four, six hours in a row was, was not a big deal for him. He just went back to sleep. And it made him much more, you know, uh, uh, I, I would guess, less anxious to, to, to do stuff or, or to... What drives you, if I may ask? Uh, it might sound naive, but I want to change the world. I want to make the world a better place using you know, my expertise. I'm helping, volunteering in, with, with the startup community all over the place. Trying to, I'm taking at least two to three meetings every week with startup guys who just, you know. Is that with the Lisbon Challenge? Uh, that's one of them. I have wow. quite, quite a few around the world. Just people, you know, out of the blue that are persistent enough, I would say, to, uh, to <laughs> approach me. Because I'm not answering everybody or anybody. I need to see some kind of, of you know. And I'm doing it because I think that my mistakes and our mistakes, as, as you know, as founders, uh, could be avoided and I could be wherever, wherever I am like five years ago. So I'm trying to help others to, uh, to achieve that in much shorter time uh, perspective. I'm also trying to volunteer, uh, or a as a company, our goal is to volunteer and give charity, um, data as charity. So basically to avoid sex trafficking in India Brilliant. or helping to uh, provide a cure for cancer for kids in the United States. These are the wow. stuff that we do, uh, helping with data to these companies. Again, you actually gave a great talk, uh, introduced you to the stage, the SAS monster yesterday. And uh, when I was listening to you, uh, you were asked what sort of founders you look for. And I found it interesting. You said the ones that are not uh, focused on the money, the ones that want to create something, the ones that want to be like me eventually, the ones that are, are willing to take that risk and go for it. Not many will agree with me because money is definitely a drive from, for many people. I, I'm just, due to my history, I guess, I'm, I'm less uh, a fan of the money. Uh, my wife will, agree, will not agree with that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. We balance each other. That's cool. Uh, I think that money is a, is a byproduct of your passion. And you can do make money with you know, art or, or being in high tech or just be a kindergarten te teacher. It's fine. As long as you're passionate enough, you can grow everything that you need. And I do look for the hunger because without the hunger, it's much harder to make the money. Adi Azaria, I do believe you are improving the world. You seem to be a, a modern-day renaissance man as well, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS, a That Was Now production. Brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins, and me, Nick Curtis-Davis. Special thanks to Ketzer for the music, provided under a Creative Commons license.